Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness. And every week, honey, you heard it right. It's a week now, girl. We every week. I sit down for a gorgeous 30-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. This week, I'm curious about cults. What is going on with them? Where did they come from? Why are they important? Why do we care? Everyone's vulnerable. Here we go, honey. You guys, new listeners, thank you so much. Like, oh my God, I just feel like we're killing it right now. I'm so excited you guys are listening. Like, we are dominating the charts. We're Cardi B. We are Nicki Minaj. We are Mariah Carey. We are everyone. We're every woman, and we're so excited. I am so happy that you're here. And you know who I'm even more excited that's here in studio? A gorgeous doctor, honey. Her name is Dr. Natalie Feinblatt. Yes, Dr. Natalie <laughs> Feinblatt. She's here. Um, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good. Um, you have really pretty gorgeous waves. I'm obsessed with your purple-tipped hair. Thank you. I have to just so everyone, she's got fierce hair, and I'm <laughs> really here for it. Um, so uh, I feel one thing that I'm curious about these days are the psychology of cults. Sure. How do they start? Where are they from? Like, what is going on with cults? I'm on episode two of Wild Wild Country. Mm-hmm. Honey, yeah. that Sheila is a handful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she is a handful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's really just, I feel like cults are very timely, you know. Very much so. Let's just start right off at the top. Mm-hmm. What defines a cult? So, in the field of cultic studies, um, there is not— Cultic studies, I you know, guys. Yes. <laughs> very fancy. Um, there's not one centralized definition of cults. Um, we pretty much go by these two sets of criteria, which are pretty similar. They have a few differences, but— um, um, by two people who are kind of were kind of experts in the field of cults. One is uh, Robert Lifton, and the other is Margaret Singer. Margaret Singer wrote a great book called Cults in Our Midst. For anybody who's interested in it, it's a very accessible book. Um, but they both came up with their own lists of criteria that uh, a cult, you know, a group has to adhere to to kind of be considered a cult, and. Um, those are the ones that we typically use. These days I'm seeing um, Robert Lifton's eight criteria used more than Margaret Singer's. But, um, I mean, I can go down the list if you want me to. Well, just we paraphrase can... it for me, honey. Okay. <laughs> so, Tell me what it is. Like, what's, like, what like, loosely defines a cult according so to these people? A cult is not defined necessarily by its beliefs. OK, um, a cult and a lot of people associate cults solely with like religious or spiritual stuff. They don't have to be religious. It could be like spiritual. a CrossFit cult. <laughs> a CrossFit cult could be a political cult, a financial cult. Some people consider multi-level marketing to be a cult in its own oh, kind of like way. Oh, like a Nerium skincare yeah. or like a, <laughs> yeah. or like an Avon yes, even. Well, yes. So the thing that defines them not is that they're not cults. – Right. No, no. I'm not saying they're, that. They're not cults. They're yeah. purists. <laughs> Especially those Nerium iPads. I'm here for those. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um It's not the beliefs, it's the behavior of the people within the group and the fact that cults routinely control, exploit, and abuse people. Um, so that's that's the kind of thing that, um, you know, trying to convince people that, um, you know, first of all, one of the big things about cults is control. Uh, Robert Lifton called this milieu control, which is like you control the person's environment as much as possible and you control their relationships as much as possible. Um, so sometimes like in Wild Wild Country, this is like literally taking them somewhere else. Yes, yes. <laughs> or like Jonestown, like we're yes. all going to leave and be in this little enclosure. Or um, in regard to Scientology, like they don't necessarily say you have to live somewhere, but it's like you can't watch TV, you can't listen to 
the news. You can never, ever access any sort of information that might be even mildly critical. So that's like a form of control or you have to do all this auditing and pay thousands of dollars to as a consequence of it. Um, so that so basically, this Margaret Singer and Robert Robert Lifton, who are like the you know the they did a lot of work in cult mm-hmm. studies. Um, the things that they say define a cult are like like there's like a whole list of them. Yeah, it's uh, control, manipulation, no questioning of the doctrine um, without severe repercussions, um, and also in in a lot of cults, especially you see this in the spiritual one. There's an emphasis on confession. Mm. Um, in terms of giving very personal information to them that can then be used against you by them uh, for various purposes. So when we look across, you know, all cults, like if I'm I'm thinking like Waco, I'm thinking mm-hmm. Jonestown, mm-hmm. I'm thinking um, uh, that ha- Haley's Bop, the purple, <laughs> the purple diamond, Heaven's Gate, Heaven's Gate. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, Heaven's Gate. I think so. In in all of those cases, these are all things that we can see exactly. present in all of them. It's control, yep. manipulation, mm-hmm. the like a heavy emphasis on on confession yep. and then like no questioning of the doctrine. Absolutely. So it's those four main things or is there another one? Um, that is a good uh, summation of, of Lifton's uh, criteria. And something that gets pointed out to me frequently um, because I work in addiction and um, sometimes clients – some clients are really into the 12-step world and some clients are really not into yeah. it. And sometimes clients will be like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is a cult. And I'll always kind of raise my hand and be like, <laughs> you picked the wrong person to say that in front of because I actually know a lot about cults. And the reason I bring that up is because with Alcoholics Anonymous or CrossFit or any organization, you'll see one or two criteria of cults. Like any social group of people will have a few of those criteria in them. That doesn't make it a cult. The issue is that cults have all or the vast majority of the criteria, right? right? So it's like – so maybe it would be like healthy practice if you notice that you're involved in a group of people that has like one of the things like you should have like a little like yellow cautionary uh-huh. flag up. Like <laughs> yeah. just you know, kind of be aware of what's mm-hmm. going on. But if there's like three or four, it's like, honey, that's a red yes. flag. We're on high alert. Like we need to be – Agreed. You know, and I think that, you know, my stepdad was sober for 27 years when he passed away. I grew mm-hmm. up like going outside of like AA mm-hmm. meetings. Like I've been to – Every twelve-step meeting in some way, shape, or form Me in my life. I mean, I'm, I, I so I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm totes open to that. But I do mm-hmm. think that there are like factions within twelve-step yes. that can be absolutely, and like, it's the, it's the same thing with like you can take Christianity and create a cult based on Christian doctrine, mm. like Waco. You can take Alcoholics Anonymous and create a cult based on that doctrine. Like I'm familiar, there's there's little groups all over the country where it's like this is AA, but we have to go with you everywhere, and you have to do certain things and say certain yeah. things, and it's like whoa, that's not in the big book. Yeah, like, what? this oh, you know, oh my god, you know what's <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Right. This one time when my stepdad was like really close to passing away, the one mm-hmm. who had been sober for like twenty seven years, and like I loved him so much. His name was Steve, and um, at the time I was just like making a lot of like reckless decisions, and I was going through all this stuff, and so and I was like. I found this group in my hometown because I was like living in St. Louis at the time, mm-hmm. and it was twelve step. But instead of your higher power not being defined, it was like clearly defined as Jesus. Ah. So I went, I went this one time because I was like, maybe that was the missing piece. Like maybe I should mm-hmm. like come. Like maybe it's like the Jesus. I grew up in Christian sports camps. Like maybe it is Jesus. <laughs> like maybe they're cuter that I'm gay now. It's fine. <laughs> so I go to the first meeting, and this guy looked me square in the face. I'm not even kidding. I'm not making this up. He looked me square in the face, and he was like. 
He's like, what if I told you that Jesus could deliver you from your homosexuality? Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to go. I'm in a I'm yeah. the, the red flag, red flag. Mm-hmm. She's got to go. So, yeah. like, conversion therapy. <laughs> she's kind of like, that was, like, literally, yeah. like, attempted conversion therapy. A little bit, yeah. Or, like, the beginning of the it. The beginning of it, yeah. And I, like, but I knew to, like, hightail it out of there. But, like, I feel like she could be a cult. Mm-hmm. When like and have uh you know wrong place wrong time like you could get into all sorts of trouble. Oh, absolutely. Or just yeah, I mean like get you know go through a lot of emotional pain because you find yourself at the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh huh. So what are some of the histories of cults that we see that are some of the you know, um you know the the podcast that was really beating us this week was called Felonious Florida, which is a very murder porn sort of podcast. <laughs> so it seems to be very in in vogue these days. Okay. So give me some real murder porny. <laughs> Fucking nasty cults. Like, give me some, just some terrible stories to make people. I'm just kidding. You guys are so kidding. But kind of tell me the bad ones. Okay. Oh my God, I feel bad. I feel bad. I feel bad bad for them. And Felonius Word is like a really good podcast. Like, I want them to get all the success. So, yay for that. Well, true crime podcasts are very interesting. They're fierce. Yes. They can't help it. That's true. Um, you know, the big ones that most people know about, the, the obviously the most – well, not maybe not the most horrible thing, but one of the most horrible things that cults can lead to is mass suicide and murder, right? Mm-hmm. So things like Jonestown where almost 1,000 people committed suicide and or were murdered if yeah. you look into it. Yeah, no. Well, Soledad O'Brien did this really fierce <laughs> documentary on Jonestown oh, I in like seen circa that one. 2009. It was like a five night special. Uh-huh. It's really good, but they talked about that how like they literally were like once once they killed that congressman because mm-hmm. that whole thing. We you know what you should come back and we should do one just on Jonestown. Okay, I'm or like down a bonus for that. episode for it because that is really so because like that was the first time I think the only time that a sitting congressman was assassinated, mm-hmm. um, and then once they killed him. They were like, the FBI's coming for us. we got to mm-hmm. kill everybody. And yeah. they were, like, chasing people down with that poison stuff uh-huh. and syringes. So, like, people didn't willingly yeah. necessarily kill themselves. Yeah. Like, a lot of people got killed with those syringes. Yeah, they. some of the bodies were found with bent needles in their arms. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, that's pretty obvious evidence of people who were not willing to drink the yeah. Flavor-Aid, you know? Oh, my God. The what? Yeah, the Flavor-Aid. It was, Is it, that, oh, it was uh, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was really, like, we're, they were just, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, okay, so mass suicide. Jonestown was, like, and Jonestown was, like, the, the biggest that we know of in like yes. recorded history, right? Yes, it was. And, you know, obviously, like you mentioned Heaven's Gate, you know, 20-something people killed themselves. Waco, people debate if it was suicide or murder. Well, I didn't, well that was kind of murder. Yeah. I mean, it it's, seems like Janet Reno, I didn't know about that, and Janet Reno was always one of my style political icons. Like, I loved her <laughs> shoulder pads. I loved her fierce short haircut. Yeah. She gave no Fs and mm-hmm. was very, you know, brazen with her mm-hmm. fashion choices, but she was also brazen with like, yeah. accidentally lighting like a whole bunch of people on fire in a basement that couldn't get out, and I realized it wasn't intentional, but shit. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm pretty know. sure, like, Jefferson and Madison, like, because I just saw Hamilton, I'm pretty sure none of them would have been okay <laughs> with, like, the, like, innocent slaughter of people, like, be, based on their, like, you know, religious beliefs. Yes. That was actually, like, really messed up. But I was, like, yeah. only five, so I couldn't really, like, oh, I didn't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I literally just learned about well, it. Well, and it's taken us so much time to untangle the whole story. Tell us about Waco. What was that about? Well, I mean, do you mean the cult itself? Yeah. Okay, so there was a branch of the Seventh-day Adventists. Um, well, there's a lot of branches of the Seventh Day Adventists, but this was one in particular um, that was actually run by a woman whose name I am blanking on currently. But David Koresh was somebody who had grown up very Christian. 
Um, and he started having these kind of uh, – it's theorized that they were these kind of seizures. He saw them as religious visions. Mm. Um, and so he got really invested in the Seventh-day Adventists and then got invested in this little split off. Um, and then eventually he just kind of worked his way up and disposed uh, – not not just not killed, but like got this lady out of power and kind of took over this little sect of Seventh-day Adventism and then started doing his own thing with it. Um, and it, it got – pretty crazy pretty fast. I mean, he started because he was having all these quote-unquote visions, you know, God was speaking directly to him to say, okay, you know, we have to all the I get to control all the marriages now. Oh, no, wait. I'm actually married to all these women and I get to have sex with all of them even though they're technically still married to their husbands. Jesus told me, like, yeah. hey, hey yeah. don't don't kill the messenger. Uh-huh. Jesus told me. Yeah. And then it was like, now we all got to move to this little compound and now we got to start building up arms. And it, you know, he uh, started getting so many firearms. I mean, built up quite the arsenal that it got the government's attention. And, you know, that only fed into his paranoia that he was already having. And I think we all kind of know where it went. No, we don't. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean they they had a few shootouts, and then it resulted in the thing that lasted. That standoff. Was it? The standoff. But basically, and, didn't they like throw tear gas things in there, mm-hmm. and it got into the basement, and then like it got yeah. all smoky, so the the women and ladies, or the women and children, couldn't get out. Yeah. Did anyone survive? He let a few people go during the standoff. In terms of like, I don't know that they were called hostages at the time, but like a few people did get let go. Um, but yeah, and then the the you know they engaged in more fire, and the FBI or uh, not the FBI, what is it? The uh, the, the, the ATF. Fi- yes, yes, went yes, in yes. there, and the whole place caught on fire, and yeah. So would you say that like um you know like polygamy sect? Because I feel like polygamy is like a mm-hmm. thing that is like occurs in a lot of. Is that like a common thread in cults? Um, in some of them. I mean, definitely in the Branch Davidians and definitely in the uh, some of the Mormons. FLDS, yeah, yeah. the FLDS and stuff like that. What about, I mean, that's controversial. Like, or, like, or like current Mormons, like could they be a little culty? There are people in the field who would say yes, that Mormonism is a cult and that uh, I think more people would be willing to say Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a cult. Um, the Mormon thing is a little controversial, but if you look at it, Especially in the upper echelons, they do seem to meet quite a few of the criteria. Right. They, yeah. I mean, they kind of do. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, like, and especially the whole like um, getting excommunicated thing. Mm-hmm. Is excommunication, is the threat of excommunication a common threat oh, in cults? Absolutely. Like, if you break any of these things, like, you'll never talk to your family. 100%. Like, 100%. Well, yeah. And that's why I, that's one of the things that got me interested in, you know, because I'm a psychologist in, in seeing former cult members because when these people leave, They have nothing most of the time. You know, either their family was involved too, so now their family is split off from them, or they abandoned their family for so long that maybe their family is not around anymore or is kind of hesitant to get Or like that episode of um, the Scientology series Mm -hmm. that um, when by the time the brother got out or something like this, like the one brother had died. Mm-hmm. Like since they'd been estranged, like the other brother had yeah. died. So like yeah. so much happens, you know. But they're they're I mean, when they make these threats about if you leave you have nothing. You have um no family, no money, no this, because uh, you know, if they control you enough, you're working for them, you're living with them. I mean if you leave, that's it. Okay, that was literally you know? fifteen minutes, you guys. Okay. Just like don't lose your attention. It's just like hold that thought, BRB. Okay. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Vaness and Dr. Feinblatt. Yes. So what we were just saying was, is that, um, you know, when people leave cults, and mm-hmm. I'm, I want to talk 
uh, more about that. Um, but basically, to recap, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, cults have these like f- mainly four tenets of things that go on that mm-hmm. to to look for. Um, and uh, just one more one more thing to go back. And this is like kind of a random question. I don't even think I asked you to prepare on it, but it just came to me. Okay. Any like ancient cults? Like any like old school random? Like have we ever found like a excavation site of like some you know like a mass suicide from like back in the day or like way way back in the day? Like or has anyone ever written about like ancient cults or something? Like when's like the first one that you can think of that was written about? Oh my goodness, that's a hard one. <laughs> I know it's like a really random question. <laughs> um, I mean, cults go as far back as written history at the very least. I mean, there were, there were cults in the medieval days in terms of like uh, pseudo kind of uh, Catholic or Christian, you know, groups of monks who would like, you know, rip their flesh open to like appease God, oh. you know, like stuff that goes pretty far back and that was pretty extreme, you know. Um, as far as like, I don't, I don't know in terms of like the first one that's ever been written about, but now I'm curious and I'm going to have to look it up because this is oh what my, I do. So. Oh my, I love that. Yeah. That's, that's fierce. So then basically some of your specialty that like how you, like how did, how did you get involved in, in the study of cults and, mm-hmm. and everything? Well, this is a, a story I've told before and I like to tell it uh, and I'm biased because it's my story. So of course I find it interesting, but, um, my, uh, I was born, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and my father worked in the film industry his entire career. Um, and he worked on a lot of Tom Cruise movies in like the the late '80s, early '90s. And I was a pretty precocious kid, and so when my dad, I, the one I remember in particular was Days of Thunder, which was not one of Tom Cruise's movies that did very well, but um, it's the one where he met Nicole Kidman. And all major. the all the yeah, pretty major. All the grown-ups around me were saying like, "Oh, he's a Scientologist. He's a Scientologist. He's a Scientologist." And I was a precocious kid, so I go, "What's that? What's Scientology?" And I looked this up. I was like ten. I thought I was older, but I was like, "Wow, I was ten at that point when they made Days of Thunder." Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody would kind of look at me with this blank look and be like, "We don't. We don't like. They're kind of a cult." But like, I'd be like, "Well, what do they do? What do they believe? It's like a religion. You must know what they believe." And then everybody was like, "No." And I was like, "How is that possible?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, so I just kind of held on to that. And then this always makes me feel old, but oh well. Um, when I was in high school, the internet came out. Out. And um, I remember one day in, in study hall, I was at the computer at the library at Yahoo because uh, Google wasn't around yet. Yeah. And I was just, you know, Google or Yahooing everything mm-hmm. I could. And I remember <gasps> Scientology. No one could ever tell me what that was about. So I put it in and I went on the website and I was looking at it and I was like, well, th- this is nice and everything, but I really am not getting a lot of information here. So I went back to Yahoo and then they had Scientology opposing views. And I was like, oh, I'll click on that. That took me to a website called Operation Clambake, which is still in existence, where it was the beginning of people coming out of Scientology and kind of getting together because the internet made that possible and being like, oh my gosh, what have we been through? What is this about? And kind of making things public that had not been public before. So that got me super into that. And then that's I guess like you could trace it back to 10 and then when I was a senior in high school and it was just something I couldn't read enough about, all not just Scientology, all these different cults. And then when I was in my doctorate program and it came time to pick a dissertation topic, you know, they tell you to pick stuff you really care about. And so that was on there, like helping people who'd been in cults and the list just got narrower and narrower and finally it was that. 
it was like, all right, I guess this is what I'm writing my dissertation on. Um, so that's so when you go to school from. to like become a doctor, mm-hmm. um, like a doctor of like you know like psychology, psychology, mm-hmm. or like you know like so you have to like write a dissertation, which is just like a really long, very long research paper. And so you ha- and so you wrote yours about survivors of cults. Yes, how to do effective and helpful therapy with former cult members. And so what things are kind of oh I just thought of another question. Or couldn't like gangs even be a type of cult? Absolutely. Absolutely, because they meet most of the criteria put forth by Lyft and they control your environment, that you know, you do horrible things that they then say, well, if you ever try to leave, where someone's gonna rat on you about this. Um they they you know, people get jumped in often, you know, there's abuse and exploitation. Yeah, they can And like ISIS, right? Oh sure, absolutely. Yeah. And just like in so like a lot of like radicalized religions, mm-hmm. gangs. Yep. Um what about like I know I just got off topic and I'm going to go back to your story more. But what about like Landmark? So Landmark is an offshoot of something that was called EST, which was a big thing in the 1970s, large group awareness training, these big kind of group therapy weekends that people would do that. And this is just getting into my own opinion on it. Like I think they were a good thing. But as a lot of things do, they split off and some groups got really extreme with it. Um, and – I would say Landmark to me, and this is not like an official thing, but Landmark is one of those organizations where you can do it casually, but if you let yourself get sucked in up to the higher levels, it becomes pretty culty. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Um, And again, that's just my opinion. I'm sure some people in Los Angeles will be very unhappy to hear me say that. Yeah. Um, But I think that you can do it casually if you kind of avoid the hard sell that they give you and just kind of take the value you can from it and then just go do your own thing. I think when you kind of get like it's your life, landmark is your life, that's where it gets a little – yeah, yeah, got questionable. It. So you write your dissertation on like mm-hmm. what therapies are effective in helping people who are like getting out of cults. Mm-hmm. And what did you kind of find were the, um, you know, ailments that people were facing like coming out of cults? Like what were they like what what were they going through? Number one uh, is probably post traumatic stress disorder or PTSD because you know in the most severe cases. People have been verbally or physically abused, possibly sexually abused. Um, people don't realize it, but that uh, people who look into it do realize it. But that happened a lot in Jonestown. Uh, Jim Jones was incredibly sexually uh, assaultive toward the people that were closest to him. Um, so PTSD is the big one. And people also have PTSD because of what used to be called um, brainwashing and is now known as thought reform. Um, you know, this whole thing where your your whole brain is kind of wiped clean and you're thought a very specific way to think and then you get plopped back into the real world and it's like, holy crap, what's going on? Like this this way of thinking doesn't work. I've lost touch of my old way of thinking. Like, right. how do I do this? So PTSD is the number one. I would say probably depression is the number two because it's such a huge shift. Like you just lost your whole life and you have to rebuild from the ground up. I mean, if that doesn't trigger depression, I don't know yeah. what would. Um, so those are the biggest ones. And I would say that kind of the biggest challenge that people face if they want to get therapy after being involved in a cult is just finding a therapist who has some degree of knowledge on cults. People come in with these horrible stories of things that happened to them. And so many therapists are just like, I don't know what 
Yeah. Like, well, and I mean, I, I would assume that there is like a definite need for this. I mean, when I think about like Maryland just passed this law about how like they are banning conversion therapy. But yeah. when I was reading in that article, it was saying mm-hmm. that that only covers like licensed therapists. Yeah. So like if that's happening in the basement of a church, that's really, uh-huh. you know, hardcore right wing, like like conversion therapy, something like hasn't gone away. Yeah. Like there are lots of, you know, very, I'm sure, intense groups that people are leaving out of on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. those people, and I'm sure it's like, maybe it's not huge. Like maybe it's not 10,000 people a day in the United States, right. but I bet it's like a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. So you've been doing this for how long now? I've been working in the field of psychology for about 15 years. I've been licensed for about six or seven. And I think the, I mean, if I look back at my dissertation, I would say, eight or nine years specializing in cults. So in your opinion, after all that time, mm-hmm. it's like, what's like the cult antidote? <laughs> like, because I would assume that it could happen to pretty normal, yeah. balanced people. And mm-hmm. then like, all it's like an abusive relationship. And all yes. of a sudden, how did this happen to me? And you always were yes. so normal and so strong or, you know, normal, whatever mm-hmm. that is, like in air quotes. <laughs> but like, who's the most vulnerable to, to cults? Is it anyone? Mm-hmm. Is it anyone? Or like, are there things like if you're you know, so who's the most vulnerable to quote? Stop talking about <laughs> Um, I would say that the most vulnerable people are people who have just gone through a major life change. Um, because I think that's when most of us are at our most vulnerable, where we're kind of questioning things and like my whole life just got, you know, completely uh, thrown out of whack. Um, we're often looking for meaning or purpose during those times. But I like to emphasize, like you said, that like, we all have those time periods. There's no such thing as a person who is immune to cults. It's just not possible because I think it's a story people tell themselves to make themselves feel better that like, oh, cults are for stupid people. Cults are for weak-minded people. And it's like, no, they're not. That Anybody, if they get you at the right place at the right time – you could be vulnerable. And it's kind of just about having awareness as to like what to look out for. Like if mm-hmm. like like my um friend who's totally gonna know who I'm talking about when I tell this story, <laughs> but like he was having a stroke mm. and he like like he was like with his friends eating chips and salsa and like he was bringing the chip to his mouth and his like whole arm just went limp. And oh then he's like, God. that's weird. And mm-hmm. then like a little while later he was driving and his like arm just died again. Mm-hmm. And then finally the next day when he woke up and his like left side was all weird, he was like oh my God, I'm like having a stroke. But mm-hmm. he was like 29, like yeah. super young, super fit, gorgeous, by the way. He's totally fine. It didn't making a cavity in his okay. head. He's fine. He got help. He went to the doctor. But it's similar in the sense that like if he hadn't known what to look out for and like mm-hmm. happened to have been a lifeguard, he wouldn't have known what was happening to him. So yeah. it's like all sorts of things can happen to you and it's important to know what to look out for. You know, like the hair should stand up on the back of your neck if people mm-hmm. start to, like after that Scientology thing, my friend was like, oh my God, we have to go to the Scientology open house to like check it out. You know, I mean, we just like, or like heard so much about it and then like the day of it because I was like down to go but then the day of it he was all like oh my god I'm like really excited to see like what they're going to say I was like oh we're not going mm-hmm. I was like you're actually like curious about what they're going to like we're not going because yeah. like you're a little vulnerable baby we yeah. can't we're not going I'm like scared yeah. we're not going mm-hmm. and so like I was like we're not yeah um, and that's come up the the one of the I have my private practice but I also work at a treatment center and god bless Leah Remini she is doing amazing work but some of the people I tend to work with younger people in recovery watch her show and they're like oh my god we gotta go check out the Scientology Celebrity Center we gotta go do this and usually I'm like I would not advise you to do that you're in early recovery from addiction right I know that you think you know but like you don't understand how persuasive and like wrapped up in this you can become very quickly like I would give that a pause and I just like love like uh, I love gymnastics I love like yoga like I love mm-hmm. like a system of stuff mm-hmm. and I think it's like human nature that like yeah. when you get introduced into like a system of mm-hmm. stuff like you want to 
consume it and like become a part of something. So I do, I totally see like, you know, we should be like healthily leery. So then that, that takes me to my other question of, um, you know, what do you see as like the world antidote to cults and, Mm -hmm. and how do you get the best out of like, you know, spirituality and like religion and some of, you know, without it becoming too much or too far, you know, like, mm-hmm. like what's the antidote to cults? Like how, do, like, how do we do? I would say that the, my number one antidote would be encouraging critical thinking um, and, and doing it with love and compassion for the person. Um, I almost tend to think about it the more I've kind of worked in cults and also worked in addiction. Trying to talk somebody out of a cult is like trying to talk somebody out of their addiction when they're just not ready to stop. It's like you're going to put a lot of work into this and probably not see a lot of results. Um, There's something – I'm going to draw a parallel here. There's something in addiction that's relatively new um, within the last 15, 20 years called motivational interviewing, which is a a therapy technique where instead of kind of being like – can't you see how terrible your life is because you're a heroin addict? You've lost this. You've lost this. You need to stop. It's kind of more along the lines of, you know, so tell me what you get out of your addiction. Tell me what it's taken away from your life. Like, how is it benefiting you to continue with your heroin addiction? And like, what goals is it preventing you from doing? And then it's like, gee, you really seem attached to this thing that's keeping you from reaching your goals. Like, that seems very contradictory. Just kind of like helping the person think about it on their own as opposed to like hitting them over the head with like, stop it, you know. Kind of the same thing I would encourage people to apply to cults. Like, um, you know, with Scientology, as I said earlier, they 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 call it entheta, which is um, like negative media. Like you shouldn't do any, you know, expose yourself to any negative media. But they also say that they encourage critical thinking and freedom. So it could just be something you would drop into a conversation like, gee, it seems weird that a group that encourages freedom would tell you what you can and can't watch. That's confusing. Yeah. Just like little nuggets. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> you yeah. know, little critical thinking nuggets. And then that's know? like – and that's, you know – for and yeah, because it's like tricky. It's like because I'm almost like has I wouldn't want to expose myself mm-hmm. to people who are like really in the midst of going through that because mm-hmm. like you know I don't know how much like of of you know my personal energy that like I want to expose around something that could like pull sure. me in because like I'm kind of like a creative fast thinking baby and I could totally see myself like <laughs> sure. drinking the Kool Aid so fast it make my head spin like <laughs> yeah. I don't want to so mm-hmm. you know I think that that's kind of. Um, that's the thing. And then I, I know that the, our episodes are 30 minutes. And you guys would be so excited. I can see both of my Colin and Mare Bear, who we love so much. They're like fidgeting because we've been to 30 minutes. But this is just going to be like six <laughs> minutes extra because it's a big subject. Um, okay. So back to, um, murder porn, um, back <laughs> okay. to murder porn cults. What about wild, wild country? Mm-hmm. Like, cause this is really interesting. You guys, you're a cult expert, but you haven't seen this, the series. I'm only on episode two because it's so heavy that yes. like it's, it's taken me, took me four days and four separate sittings to get through episode one. So mm-hmm. I was just like, and I haven't even gotten any of the crazy stuff yet. Yeah. So like essentially, trust me, it's on my to watch list. It's it's on the list, but it's a long list. So it's, it's gonna take me a while. What other cult fair should people be watching? Like what stuff should I mean? Obviously, the the 2009 docu series with Soledad O'Brien on Jodestown, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, yes. and then Wild Wild Country. What else? Yeah. Like, is, is there anything else people need to watch about cults? Well, I mean, if they haven't already, Going Clear, um, yes. Scientology and the Prison of Belief, which is an amazing film, and it's based on an amazing book that I would suggest people also read. Um, there's a really good documentary. I believe it's still on Netflix called Holy Hell. 
um, about a group that I had never heard of. I mean, that's the amazing thing about cults is there's just so many. There's always more to learn. Um, a cult that actually started in West Hollywood in like the 80s and 90s. Um, they called themselves the Buddha Field to start. And it's a really – I like it because – it's about a group that probably not that many people in the wider public know about and it really shows you how a bunch of good intentioned nice people can get sucked in by like a toxic narcissistic leader and it can just spiral out of control and it's also a great example of how bad the abuse can get in cults. Um, because the the guy who did uh, the guy who ran the cult was sexually abusing multiple members under the guise of therapy. Right. Um, so that's a great documentary if anybody wants to watch it. And then last question: mm -hmm. um, You're minding your own business, and your best friend or your mom or whoever comes home, and they're like, "I'm moving to this. I'm moving to the dorm over at whatever center because mm -hmm. I like like someone you love gets involved in a cult, mm -hmm. and they are like." Not trying to leave. Like, what do you do? Like, how, like, what do you do? Um, I, again, I would fall back on critical thinking. Just kind of be like, okay, I'm happy for you. Like, I'm glad you found something you're so passionate and enthusiastic about. Um, here are some things that are looking like they, they're kind of incompatible to me, you know, or help them kind of bring um, realistic thinking into it. Like, well, how are you going to make money? And like, how are you going to get by? And, you know. Um, when do you have to like cut them off like a dead foot? That's a great image. Um, cut them off like a dead foot if they are starting to try to coerce you into anything and like won't stop. Because sometimes cults teach people these techniques where it's like they just will not stop hammering on people. Um, and I would say cut them off like a dead foot if they start to be abusive in any way toward you. Um, and I would also say um, if you become aware of any sort of illegal things that are happening in their group, like abuse or neglect of children or anything else, crime, call the police. Is there an Al-Anon for cults? There isn't, but there should be. <laughs> yeah, there should be like a yeah. support group for like loved ones of cult members. Yes, I agree. And and ICSA does those things kind of on a on a. That's on, the International a Cultic Association Studies Association. Studies yeah, and I have actually encouraged some family members of cult members to attend Al-Anon and to just be like, okay, instead of alcoholic, it's cult member. Like Got I know it. it's not quite the same thing, but this is the closest you're going to get, and it's readily available. And then. Um, <laughs> Where can people find you and find your studies and reach out to you? Where's where's all your gorgeous information? My information is all online. My website is drnataliefeinblatt.com. Um, and then I'm I'm Dr. Natalie F on Instagram. I have like a Facebook and a Twitter, but honestly, I'm, I'm Instagram all about, is, is the is I'm the all jam. about the gram. Yeah, I'm all about the gram too, honey. Yeah. It's a woman after my own heart. Yeah. Um, well, I am so grateful for you coming and taking your time and I'm speaking to me. So grateful for you having me. Here. Um, I would love to do more with you. We can really break down a felonious Florida uh, <laughs> sure. murder porn um, episode on all the cults. I'd be down for that. Um, you know, I mean, if I have to break kneecap to get to number one, I'm ready. You know what I mean? <laughs> as just, long as you don't turn into a cult to get to Just as long as one. I don't turn into a cult to get to number one, but mm -hmm. if I, I won't. I'm not going to make a cult joke after we just okay. all that. I won't <laughs> okay. do it. I'm going to be a respectful person. There you go. Um, well, I'm really just so into our convo, and thanks so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Benes. You will find links to Dr. Natalie Feinblatt's work and social accounts in the episode description of whatever device you're listening to this show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JVN and tweet about the show using hashtag Getting Curious. 
Or you could even do like an Instagram post about hashtag getting curious. I don't look at them that much, but I could if you guys like did a cute thing about it. Get curious about it. Hashtag using getting curious. Try it. Um, also, join the Facebook group. Tell us what you're curious about and who you want to hear me talk to. Cute. Our theme music is Street by Quinn. Thank you to her so much for letting us use it. It's iconic. I love that song. Oh, oh, ooh. ooh. Also, if you enjoyed our show, please tell all your friends about it. Leave us a review on iTunes. You guys have been doing a, such a good job of that. That five-star rating is giving me la, 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 life. Love it. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I'm getting curious. <laughs>